Welcome to Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Onaway, Michigan. I'm Pastor Trent Wahlberg, and you're listening to Preaching and the Word. The word for today, the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister, called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her, to, tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours to Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Imagine yourself alone on a boat somewhere far off at sea. and you, Your boat strikes a rock and gets a massive hole and begins to sink quickly. There is a small, presumably deserted island nearby that you can swim to, and there are three bags on your sinking ship, but you can only take one of them with you to shore. The first bag has a sleeping bag, a pillow, a couple of your favorite books and games and your toiletry items in it. The second bag is full of tools, wrenches and screwdrivers, a power drill, some replacement parts, little small pieces, a flashlight and a battery-powered jumping cable. The third bag has a machete, a lighter, a waterproof survival blanket, a first aid kit, a flare gun, about a week's worth of rations, and a radio. Which of the three do you take? Well, it depends on what you hope to accomplish. An overnight bag would be the bag of choice if you had made it to your destination and, you know, had a a comfortable place to stay with a few uh, needed things. The toolbox is necessary if you have a few mechanical issues that you are able to fix. But clearly, if the goal is to survive and find a way off the island, the survival kit is the bag of choice. There are a lot of things that would be great to have on a desert island, but when you're trying to figure out what's required, you need to determine your goal. Are you trying to relax, address a specific mechanical problem, or do you intend to survive? You need to know what you're trying to accomplish so that you can set your priorities accordingly. When Jesus was journeying through a certain village, he came to the home of his friends Mary and Martha. The sisters responded to Jesus' visit in different ways. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Which of the two was the better way? Obvious, it's obvious from the text which one Jesus said is the better portion, but why? Martha's perspective, I think, is certainly understandable. She had welcomed Jesus into her home. In her mind, she was the hostess, and he was her guest. And as the host, Martha was operating from a certain toolbox of sorts. She understood that she had certain responsibilities toward him. And remember that Jesus also was traveling with a large company of people, with his 12 disciples, also the sort of broader group of disciples, and many others who had heard that Jesus was in town and would come to the house to listen to his teaching and to be healed by him, as often happened in his ministry. 
As you can imagine, there was a lot of work to be done. Jesus and his company were dirty, tired, and hungry. As is the case when you're hosting a large group of people, there are many and various needs. There's cooking and cleaning, mixing wine, and drawing water to wash dirty hands and feet. Meanwhile, Mary was sitting with the guests, listening to Jesus teach. This didn't seem right to Martha. As someone who lived in the house, Mary was also a host, a host and should have been helping her sister tend to the guests. Honestly, how would you feel if you were in Martha's shoes? She was frustrated with her sister, and I would imagine she would have gone to Mary a couple times trying to get her to move a muscle. Hey, Mary, could you grab those dishes? Could you, you know, clean up this kind of thing? Can you, can you do this? Can you do that? Yeah, sure, whatever, Martha. Okay, I'll get to it. You know, let me finish the story. You know, so on it goes. Finally, she had enough and went to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord was not convinced. He answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Why did Jesus say this? What is necessary depends on your goal and what you hope to accomplish. Hosts and guests both operate from different toolkits. They each have different goals and responsibilities. The host is responsible for serving their guests, and the guest is responsible for graciously receiving the hospitality of their host. That's how that relationship works. And so, for example, if you go to a dinner party, you don't act rudely and demand things from your host, but you eat what's offered and even may bring a gift of your own as a as a thank you for their hospitality. On the other hand, as the host of a dinner party, you graciously give your guests whatever they need. You make sure that they have enough food and drink that they uh, can wash their hands and feet, as was the case in those days. You want them to have a good time and to feel welcome and at home. There's a mutual exchange of giving and receiving that goes on between a host and guest. But it's the host's primary duty to provide for the guest and the primary duty of the guest to graciously receive the hospitality of the host with thanksgiving. Mary Martha would have had every right to demand the help of her sister Mary if, in fact, they were the hosts. But Jesus took the side of Mary when he said that she had chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. It's not that Martha chose the bad portion or that she was doing something wrong. It just wasn't quite as necessary. It's like she grabbed the wrong bag for the situation. She misunderstood her role in the relationship with Jesus. Therefore, the thing that she thought she needed to do became a distraction, the source for trouble and anxiety. Throughout the text, Jesus is referred to as the Lord. It's easy to skim over this little detail, but it's an important point that Luke the Evangelist is trying to make. Jesus is Lord. That's the oldest and most basic creed in the Bible. 
Jesus is Lord. That means he is God. He is Yahweh, the eternal Son of the Father, from whom, by whom, and for whom all things were made. As Lord, the whole world and everything in it belongs to him. Martha welcomes Jesus into her home, but she wouldn't have a home at all to welcome him into if it hadn't been given to her by God. Moreover, Jesus welcomed her into his kingdom, over which he reigns as Lord. Therefore, Jesus was really the host, and Mary and Martha were his guests. Rather than going for the hosting kit, she needed the guest kit. When Jesus comes to visit his people, it's none other than God himself who is present visiting his people. Now think about this. When you look at the, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, what happens when God visits his people? We see an example of it in the Old Testament reading with Abraham being visited by these three divine guests. Certainly Abraham brought them gifts. He sort of welcomed them into his home and brought food and the water to wash their hands and feet. But really this is in response to who he recognized his guests to be. He called them Lord. They gave him the gift of, or these guests gave him the, the gift of a child and promised Sarah would bear a son even when she was too old and past that point in her life. Abraham's hospitality was really as a response, as sort of a guest in his own right to the, uh, to the greater gift that his guests, who were really the hosts, had brought. It's really no different for the sisters, Mary and Martha. The Lord had come to them, and they welcomed him into their home and worshipped him, but they worshipped him in two different ways. Martha worshipped by serving and Mary by being served. We tend to think that worship is something that we give to God. It's our sort of gift to God, when in fact, it's really something that God gives to us. Worship is not for God's benefit, but for our benefit. It's not as if he needs validation or he needs us to sort of uh, pump him up with our prayer and thanksgiving, but Rather, it's so that, uh, that he would bless us with his gifts, that he would give us his word, that we would sit at his feet and listen to his teaching, that he would feed us his body and blood, gives us the forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, gives us his own righteousness by grace. We come together here to receive God's gifts and to be his guests, gather at his table to receive his forgiveness for all of our sins. We come into this house as guests, to sit at his feet and listen to his teaching in all submissiveness and obedience. This understanding is uh, long-standing in the Lutheran tradition. The word that Luther used, the German word for worship, is Gottesdienst, which is often translated as divine service. That's why it's called divine service in our book. But it's literally God's service meaning that God is the one who serves us in worship. It's his service. He serves us first and foremost. Our prayer and praise and thanksgiving, all of our songs and and everything else, is a response to God's action first toward us. We love because he first loved us, and so on. 
in the divine service, God shows us his love. He showers us with forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and we in turn respond to him with our prayers, thanks, and thanksgiving. We respond to God when we confess, that is, when we speak back to God what he has first said to us. When we confess our sins and acknowledge that we are sinful and unclean, that we need forgiveness and mercy. When we confess also our faith and say back to God what he has told us about himself, that he is triune, that he has come in the person of Jesus to forgive, to redeem us by his death and resurrection. It's no accident that the very next thing that happens after Jesus' visit with Mary and Martha in Luke's gospel is that Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray the Lord's Prayer. That will be our gospel reading for next week. Worship is at the center of what's going on in this visit that Jesus has with Mary and Martha. They represent the church, the bride of Christ. And as such, it is necessary for them to play the feminine role and receive from the Lord Jesus, to sit at his feet in obedience and to listen to him and his teaching. Martha thought that she was the host and therefore became distracted from the one thing that was necessary with her serving. It's true that we, like Martha, serve the Lord in various ways. We lay our time, talents, and and treasures at his feet in response to what he has given to us. This is a good and God-pleasing thing for sure, but it's not the one thing needful. It's not how we become saved. It's not how we enter the kingdom of God. It's something that we do when we're already in the kingdom of God. That's what's of the utmost importance. All of life is really an act of worship. Every day we make decisions and engage in certain activities aimed at accomplishing particular goals. We direct our attention and invest ourselves into what we consider to be good and worthwhile. We serve that which we worship because we value what we believe it gives to us. And so whenever we serve our our uh, job, or our family, whatever we put our time and attention into, we believe that it's something that is sort of worthy of that attention. It's sort of, um, it, can, it can quickly become, if not tempered, some kind of God to us, some kind of false idol that we serve and bow down to. It becomes a distraction if it is not the true God who gives us all things. So if it's not first directed to God, and everything else is not flowing of that. We serve what we worship and value what has been given to us. We worship all kinds of idols when we serve them and invest our time, talents, and treasures in things that cannot save us. When we depend on our own good works or accomplishments or whatever it may be for our long-term good and well-being. When God is the only one who can save us, who can preserve our life and gives it to us. We tend to think of worship in terms of what we do, and certainly we do play a role in worship, but our role is secondary. It's only the grateful response of a thankful guest. The main thing is what Jesus has done for you. He has given you everything you have. He has given you his righteousness, forgiveness, life, and salvation. He has given you his word and spirit, his body and his blood. Jesus' sacrificial love and divine service is the one thing needful that will not be taken away from you. 
our good works and our acts of love and service for God and one another are good and great God-pleasing things, but they will be taken from us someday. We can't claim credit for our good works. It's all something that, uh, that Christ does through us and in us. It's all a gift from God. When the Lord comes, what is the one thing needed? The answer is simple. It's faith. Faith is receiving. It's sitting at his feet, listening to his teaching and believing what he says. Faith doesn't respond. Faith does, in fact, respond in acts of love and service, but it's not anxious about it and distracted by it because it doesn't depend on it. We all daily lose sight of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And when that happens, we become distracted by these false idols and distractions, by our worries, by our fears. And we think that by our works, we can curry favor with God. But he has already shown you favor in sending his son. So when you become anxious and troubled by many things, distracted and weighed down by your sins and by the troubles of the world, just remember that there is one thing needful and Jesus has already done it. He has won for you salvation and gives it to you freely. And that most certainly will not be taken away from you. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God pass understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to this show. If you would like to support our ministry here at Holy Cross in Onaway, you can share this podcast and give us a five-star rating. If you would like to make a financial gift, please make checks payable to Holy Cross Lutheran Church and mail it to us at 3786 Glacier Road, Onaway, Michigan. That's G-L-A-S-I-E-R Road, Onaway, Michigan, 49765. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.